At a speech in New Hampshire this past weekend, Donald Trump was once again arguing in front of the crowd who, by the way, has no say on the matter, but he was arguing to the crowd that he, as a former president and all other former presidents, deserve complete and total immunity so that they can never be prosecuted for any horrible thing that they do. But this time around, Donald Trump tried a bit of a different argument, one that I really hope he tries to use in front of the Supreme Court when he actually compared himself and his behavior to that of some of those bad apple priests in the Catholic church. And we all know which ones I'm talking about. Here is what Donald Trump argued in front of the crowd. FBI agents raiding Mar-a-Lago, but think of it. He indicted a former president of the United States. Once that happened, thank you. I agree not. Thank you. So he's thanking somebody in the crowd for, you know, calling out stupid stuff. But once that happened, it was like the gloves are off because that's the worst thing. It's not even possible. Many presidents leave and there are things you can go after. And frankly, to be honest, that's one of the reasons the Supreme Court's looking now at immunity. Stop you right there. That's actually not why the Supreme Court is looking at immunity. The Supreme Court, as I have repeatedly said, is not taking on the issue of whether or not a former president is granted complete and total immunity. They're determining whether or not Donald Trump's actions with his attempts to overturn the election were that of a sitting president, in which case he would have immunity, or was he acting as a candidate, in which case immunity does not cover that. That's the issue. That is what they are looking at. This will have no impact whatsoever on any future or past president's immunity that is granted to them by the constitution. That is not what the court is looking at. Trump is trying to confuse the crowd, which let's be honest, pretty easy to do with these people. But anyway, he continues, but you know, you have to allow a president to do his job. They'll make decisions. And you know, it's, it's like the police. I say, we have to give the police back their power. We're not going to have any crime, but we protect what we do. I mean, to me, it's the best analogy and the, our, our Democrat run cities are dens of horrible crime right now, but it's, it's a little bit like the police. So you have a rogue cop, you know what a rogue cop is very seldom, but you have bad people. You have people no matter where, no matter what in the church, you have some people that aren't so good, right? But you have people, a rogue cop or a bad apple or whatever. Now, as you're in the middle of a defamation trial where a, a previous court had already said that you did sexually assault E. Jean Carroll, probably not the best time to compare yourself to priests that, you know, have been accused of sexually assaulting minors, but Hey, you know, there's a few bad apples. You got to let them go. Right? So here's what gets me about this argument from Donald Trump. He brought up the cops as well. And he had brought up the cops last week too, saying sometimes you got rogue cops, you've got bad apples, but we still have to give them immunity is his argument. And so he's saying here two things. One, he is saying that these pedophile priests should have some kind of immunity. Th that in and of itself is a, is a horrible thing to even suggest. Like, why would you ever say that? Why was that even in your head? Like, why were you thinking about priests that are out there assaulting children? That, that doesn't make sense for that to just be a thing that's at the forefront of your mind. Second of all, you're also admitting that you're one of the bad apples, right? Like we got to let you go. You're a bad apple, but we got to let you go because you got to have immunity. Horrible analogy. Trump says it's the best analogy. No, it's actually really, really horrible. 
You're admitting that you're a bad apple. You're saying that, yeah, you did some bad things, but hey, just like the cops, just like the priests, yeah, the cops are killing people. We got to let them go. The priests are having sex with kids. We got to let them go. I did some bad things. You got to let me go. And again, I sincerely hope that you go in front of the Supreme Court and make that argument because I would love to see how they respond to that. Over the weekend, Republican Congressman Matt Gates was in New Hampshire, of course, campaigning for Donald Trump. And Gates took a few moments out of his time to speak with both reporters and supporters who had shown up and wanted to ask the congressman from all the way down here in Florida, possibly what the hell are you even doing in New Hampshire? These people can't even vote for you. You're not their congressman, but whatever. You're a Trump surrogate, so you're here. We're going to ask you questions. And one man who was actually neither a reporter nor a supporter of Trump or Gates was able to ask Matt Gates a couple of questions that left Matt visibly flustered. Here is what the man asked Matt Gates. What's the youngest schoolgirl you've ever been with? And have you written on the Lolita Express? I know that Donald Trump did. I would like answers to those questions, Matt. Now, I don't think that Matt ever rode on Epstein's plane. You know, that was a little before Matt's time here, but let's be real. Matt, the allegations against you, you need to answer some of these questions. Maybe not that specific question. What's the youngest girl you've ever been with? Because technically Matt Gates did tell us that a while ago. He when these first allegations first came out, he said, you know, I haven't slept with a 17 year old since I was 17. So, I mean, we at least kind of know that from Matt Gates. but Matt Gates, when asked these questions kind of got flustered. He, he waved the guy off. And then of course the people running the event took the man and dragged him out. So he couldn't ask any more embarrassing questions that again, the public deserves to know the answers to, but God forbid we have anybody asking real questions about behavior that Matt Gates has been accused of and behavior that by the way, he is currently being investigated for by the house ethics committee, but the man was dragged away. So we didn't get answers and we didn't get any more fun little questions like that. But the reason I'm talking about this is because this is the kind of activism that I love. You know, just like uh, I talked about a while ago when Matt Gates was presented the uh, phony award, you know, for paying underage girls. And by the way, the, the individual who did that, I've actually been in contact with him. Uh, you know, we email back and forth. So I love what he does. I love what this guy did, because guess what? It's not hurting anybody. You're not breaking any rules. You're not you know, angrily confronting these people to the point where you become the spectacle. You're pointing out the behavior that these individuals do. And that's why it's so powerful. And sure, they always get removed from the events, but those actions go viral. And every time they go viral, what does it do? It puts it back in people's heads. It puts it front and center into their minds that, oh yeah, this guy's been accused of some pretty horrific things. He has not been convicted. And again, the DOJ actually decided they weren't even going to charge him, but he's not out of the woods. We have that house ethics panel that is investigating him. The same house ethics panel, by the way, 
that gave us that horrific report on the behavior of George Santos that immediately led to Santos's expulsion. Matt Gates is worried that he will be next. He has sent out emails to his supporters begging for money saying he'll probably be next. So Matt Gates is worried. He doesn't like people being reminded of these things, which is just further proof that we need to constantly remind people of what Matt Gates has been accused of. Donald Trump made headlines over the weekend when he confused Nikki Haley for Nancy Pelosi, saying that Nikki Haley was in fact somehow in charge of security at the Capitol when he meant to say Nancy Pelosi. And it wasn't a simple slip of the tongue or anything like that because Trump repeated her name over and over and over again. Let me read you Donald Trump's original quote. By the way, they, uh, they never report the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they, do you know, they destroyed all the information, all of the evidence, everything deleted and destroyed all of it, all of it because uh, of lots of things like Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people, soldiers, national guards, whatever they want. They turned it down. They don't want to talk about that. These are very dishonest people. Let's count, shall we? Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, four times. Like it's one thing. If you like slip up once, you're like, well, Nikki Haley, uh, excuse me, Nancy Pelosi was in charge of, but he repeated her name four times. He repeated it at different points during the sentence or, or the paragraph he was talking about. That's a lot. That's a big mental F up. And by the way, Nancy Pelosi was the Speaker of the House, not Nikki Haley, actually. Uh, and also, even as Speaker of the House, by the way, Nancy Pelosi is not in charge of security for the Capitol. That is, in fact, the Capitol Police Board. Nevertheless, Donald Trump's loyal servant, Republican Representative Elise Stefanik, went on these Sunday morning talk shows where she defended Donald Trump's mental slip up and said that his mental capacity according to Elise Stefanik, is actually better than ever. Now, she was specifically asked, hey, listen, uh, yesterday, this guy didn't know who the hell he was talking about. And Elise Stefanik was like, nah, his mental capacity is better than ever. Cognitive abilities, off the charts. He is doing so great mentally, Elise Stefanik told us. And she also added, by the way, Uh, I, of course, would be honored to serve in any capacity in a Trump administration. I'm proud to be the first member of Congress to endorse his reelection. I'm proud to be a strong supporter of President Trump, and he's going to win this November. And then she explained away the Nikki Haley thing, saying, you know, the the reality is Nikki Haley's relying on Democrats, just like Nancy Pelosi, to try to have a, a desperate showing. Whatever that means. Like, she wants a desperate showing, Elise Stefanik said just like Nancy Pelosi, the devil. So like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, do we need to start worrying about Elise Stefanik's mental capacity? Because your statement in defense of Trump also made no sense at all. Like it was nonsensical verbal diarrhea that you're spewing on the Sunday morning talk show here. But while Elise Stefanik was defending Donald Trump, again, saying his mental capacity is better than ever, You had two Republicans go on Fox News to talk about Donald Trump's mental slippage. And then, of course, you had an MSNBC contributor talking about how clearly obvious it is 
that Donald Trump's mental capacity is rapidly diminishing before our very eyes. And again, two Republican lawmakers talked about it on Fox News, how bad it is. MSNBC, yeah, you expect that. But two Republican congressmen saying it on Fox News? Okay, Elise, you're a little out of line here. Members of your own party, your actual colleagues from Congress are on Fox News saying, wow, this guy's getting bad. He's getting worse. And you're out there defending it saying, well, I'd love to serve in his administration in any capacity. I love what I'm doing. And Nikki Haley is like a Democrat kind of. So that makes sense. And Trump's better than ever, right? I think it may be time to schedule your cognitive exam, because if you think Trump is firing on all cylinders, then maybe you also are suffering from some serious cognitive decline. Photographs of Donald Trump's rally that he held in New Hampshire this past weekend have been making the rounds on the internet because these photographs show a ton of empty seats. Now, What's funny about these photographs is that these photographs are actually taken out of context. That one photograph that's been making the rounds, I've seen other people, you know, posting it, including a lot of people I respect, but it was pointed out by Dave Weigel that that was actually a photograph of the press section. That, That wasn't the crowd. That was the press section. And a lot of people weren't there yet when that photo was taken. So that photograph is actually not representative of how packed the arena was. But what is representative of how packed the arena was, was that it had a capacity of only 700 people. According to new reports, Donald Trump's campaign has decided that since the former president can no longer pack a stadium like he used to, they have started booking smaller venues so that the crowds will look packed. So when you see the photographs of all these people in the seats, please understand that's not a snapshot of a small portion of it. That's the whole thing. The man that used to be able to pull in 10,000 people, 20,000 people sometimes can now only pull in a couple hundred. So you don't need to take those photographs out of context to act like, Hey, he can't pack a crowd. Look at the venues he's booking. When you see that Trump is speaking somewhere, you can actually, when you know the name of the place, look up online what the seating capacity is. The venues are getting smaller because the enthusiasm for Trump is not there. Back in 2020, even during the COVID pandemic, we didn't have treatments. We didn't have vaccines. COVID was a, a, you know, almost death sentence still can be by the way, but Trump supporters still piled in there before the 2020 election. You had incidents of Donald Trump doing events where people had to leave in ambulances, sometimes down here in the South because of heat stroke. People were willing to risk their own health to see him speak. Then in the winter months, you had people that were freezing quite literally showing signs of hypothermia just to be able to see Trump speak. Today, four years later, not the case. He can't pack a room anymore, so they have to make the room smaller so that the few people that show up, it actually looks like he can draw a crowd. And this is actually very predictable because over the last two years, what we've seen is we have, and I've talked about it right here, by the way, 
we see that these venues that Donald Trump is, is booking, those photographs show us that there's a ton of empty seats. The video footage shows there's a ton of empty seats, but more importantly, and we did see this in New Hampshire, Midas Touch posted a video about this. People are leaving while he's talking. Donald Trump's in the middle of his rants where he's playing all his greatest hits about election interference and a stolen election and Nancy Pelosi bad, Biden bad, immigration bad. And people get up and say, all right, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to do that. And that's what's happening. So not only are you getting fewer and fewer people to show up, but the people who do show up after, you know, 10, 20 minutes are like, wow, this is, uh, I can't do this. I can't sit and listen to this anymore. But again, there's a reason I'm talking about this. It's because right now, right? What do the polls tell us? The polls, the polls are like, oh God, Trump's going to beat Biden. There's no enthusiasm for Trump. There's no enthusiasm, even in the MAGA crowd for Trump. They're getting kind of tired of it. People aren't showing up to his events anymore. You can't tell me that that is a good omen for his prospects in this year's election. It is simply not. There's no enthusiasm. So you may have these polls where these likely voters and likely is the key word tell people, yeah, yeah, I'm probably going to vote for Trump over Biden. But then they look at it like, you know what? I don't even care. I'm not even going to show up. And I think that's why when this election comes around, we're going to see a lot of voting results that do not reflect these polls because the enthusiasm is going to keep a lot of these likely Trump voters home. They are not excited. They're not showing up at his rallies, even though they're free. They simply do not care enough anymore. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced. Balanced.